afternoon. Welcome in once again. Jimmy B and TC with you until 6 o'clock tonight as we talk the world of sports with you for the next two hours. Got a uh, busy show here coming up this afternoon. Going to kick things off in just a moment. Dr. Stephen Fuller with Fuller Family Dentistry stopping by in our Hawkeye Swarm segment. You're going to be hearing each and every Friday here during our uh, program on your drive home. Also Tuesdays during the Ken Miller Show with myself, Trent Condon, Dr. Stephen Fuller. We're going inside the Hawkeyes and talking about road trips. Planning on a road trip, maybe this uh, this football season, Big Ten Stadium you're looking to hit. We're going to help you out, Dr. Stephen Fuller, to kick things off here in just a couple of minutes. Also, in our number one, Mitch Sherman, going to talk some Big 12 football with him, little Big Ten, little Nebraska. We'll do it all with ESPN's Mitch Sherman. Then in the 5 o'clock hour, we got Wolfgang stopping by for a talk, and we'll finish things out. Ken Miller, his derby picks. Ken, longtime race caller all across North America. He's going to uh, chime in with his picks for the Derby, all coming your way here on 1700. We got Dr. Stephen Fuller right now. We're talking Big Ten football stadiums. All right, welcome back. And a new segment that we have here on our programs on 1700 KBGG. Happen to welcome in a friend of the program, Dr. Stephen Fuller with Fuller Family Dentistry. Uh, sponsors the hotline during the Ken Miller Show. And Dr. Fuller, good to have you aboard. Hawkeye Swarm is uh, the name of our segment. We're going to do this weekly, hearing them during both of our local shows. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun, Trent, and good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a little while, and uh, back at it once again. Starting to warm up outside, spring football in the books, but long summer, long off season before we get back to football. Well, and they got a lot of construction to get completed down there in yeah. that north end zone. I was down for the spring game, and and uh, they got some concrete that needs to be poured and some bleachers <laughs> that need to be put back, and, and that nice giant logo of the Tiger Hawk on the uh, water tower, and we'll be set to kick off in September. So how much of the, uh, the north end zone project will be completed this year? Because it's not going to be 100% completed, I know that. Um, my understanding is the suites will not be completed, okay. um, and but the 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 outside bleachers will be completed. But uh, they better step it up a pace. Uh, it's not Disneyland down there where they can get it done uh, in a matter of weeks. Right. Uh, like I said, they were still pouring. Uh, they need to pour some concrete, and they got to get the base down also. So it, it it's going to be a wonder, and that's one reason why I went down to the spring football game, because I, I didn't figure we were going to see a whole lot, and I was correct. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> always difficult to pull a lot out of that, and uh, well, that's kind of the case every year. But we got the offseason in front of us. So here on the Hawkeye Swarm, listening each and every week on Tuesdays during the Ken Miller Show with myself, and then on Fridays uh, during Jimmy B and TC on your drive home, we're going to bring you this segment, and what it's going to be is during the offseason, we're going to really take a look back, and, and we're going to take a look back at some great seasons in Hawkeye history, great games, moments, just all kinds of different things. Doc, uh, well, give us your Hawkeye credentials. For, for people that don't know, tell us about your love for the Hawkeyes and how it all started. Well, I can uh, blame it all on my dad. I think uh, back in 1961 when I was born, uh, it, you know, uh, I was christened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a young uh, 
gr- young growing up, uh, we would go down. My dad had season tickets uh, since the 50s, mm-hmm. early, you know, when he got back from uh, Germany, and he would actually was listening to uh, uh, the Rose Bowl when he was stationed in Germany. So wow. uh, you, if you're a fuller, uh, you really didn't have too much chance of going anywhere else but to the University of Iowa. Uh, and, you know, my dad went to Drake and... He graduated from Drake from undergrad and, and uh, then went to dental school. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had season tickets uh, for basketball over at uh, the Knapp Center and and uh, and basically football because it's so much easier to, uh, you know, watch basketball at Drake uh, yeah. instead of road tripping down to Iowa City. Uh, it can be treacherous coming back on I-80. So, uh I think uh, I was christened black and gold. So, Well, we're going to have a lot of fun with this and a lot of great moments in history we're going to go through here in our Hawkeye Swarm segment. So today, it's uh, going to do something a little bit off the beaten path. We're going to talk about the best Big Ten road stadium that you've been to. Now, I personally have been to every Big Ten stadium except for the two new ones. Haven't been to Rutgers, haven't been to Maryland. Where do you sit? I'm uh, on the same boat with okay. you. Um, we, uh, I, I planned to try to get to those two, but uh, schedule-wise, it just didn't work out. Yep. Um, I'm going to make it to those two sooner or later. Uh, I was actually, the last time I was in, in Penn, at Penn State, it was prior to uh, them being uh, extended the invitation to come into the Big Ten. Oh, okay. And uh, so I, I need to get back there because uh, they've made many upgrades uh, to their stadium, just like uh, a lot of them have around the Big Ten. So uh, the one that really needs to make some upgrades is uh, Nebraska. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Thinking of that and, and thinking forward, you know, other stops that need to be there. I'm in the same boat. Haven't going to make it at some point, but but going to. So let's go through here and and let's talk about the dregs first. The the worst Big Ten stadium experiences. Now, this can entail a lot of different things. It's the people that you run into can also play a part of it. Tailgating scheme, bars maybe around there. If you're gonna hit the nightlife after the game, whatever it may be. So I kind of have my own set of rankings, but that bottom tier. And at the bottom tier for me, one that jumps out is Indiana. Now, I haven't been there since their renovations. I was back, in fact, it was John Butcher's first ever start, I believe, uh, back in 98, something like that. It's been a long time, 20 years. Holy cow, I'm I'm getting old, Doc. Yeah, well, (laughs) I was there uh, basically when they... uh, when they still had the the two stands on mm-hmm. uh, both sides, uh, I've been there since they uh, enclosed the. I believe it's the north end zone, okay. and uh, we were there. Dad and I were there. Uh, actually, we were playing uh, a game at Indiana, and we they were actually kicking and uh, the. F- field goals and they had to have somebody in the construction zone to throw the ball back out so uh we were just recently there um not last year but the year before when we played over there and Mm -hmm. and um uh they uh it's a beautiful stadium i mean they've made many upgrades to uh indiana university stadium memorial stadium if i remember correctly is what it's called and uh now they're enclosing the south end zone okay but um 
it's a head scratcher. Why? Because uh, they really don't fill the stands. And uh, when we went to get, when I went to get tickets for the Indiana game, I called down the University of Iowa, and uh, they advised me that probably I should call Indiana. I could probably get some better tickets. In oh, fact, uh, they have student tickets. Uh, so instead of paying full uh, full price for my three kids. I was able to pick up student tickets. I, I don't remember if it was five or ten dollars, but uh, you know, it's a nice stadium. It really is. And if you get over there, you can go see the uh, John uh, Cougar uh, Mellencamp uh, yeah. practice facility, and uh, they've made a lot of upgrades uh, since the time before I was there. I mean, they've got beautiful facilities, uh, baseball, softball, and uh, my understanding is they um, did an expansion to Assembly Hall uh, for the basketball pro uh, basketball volleyball program so beautiful campus really one of the one of my favorite campuses in the big 10 football experience is a little bit lacking but that's one i put on the bottom tier another on the bottom tier for me uh is both illinois and northwestern the two illinois schools well, you got to put Purdue in there too. And Purdue's I mean, at that bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've always had fun. I've been to Purdue a couple Purdue's times. Purdue's a good time. Had fun. It's uh, if you're if you're a young single guy and you're looking for ladies, Purdue's not the place. No, to go. no. Make sure that's an Indiana trip, not a Purdue yeah, trip. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Purdue experience, the stadium, and if you're in the Iowa section in the end zone, you get that stupid train whistle in your ear all game long. That sucks. Well, they've actually taken out that section oh, of, uh, of the bleachers. Uh, well, you know, when you don't sell them, yeah, you, you yeah, get rid yeah, of them. Yeah. And uh, it's now a quasi-horseshoe. Uh, last time I was there, um, I, it was my son and I, and uh, we met Dr. Rovner over there, and uh, they were actually, uh, believe it or not, having a, a wrestling exhibition mm. where those stands used to be. Oh, really? So, uh, you know, you know you aren't selling tickets when you allow your student section to be right on the 50-yard line. Right. So, yes. and I believe students get in for free or greatly reduced tickets. So, I would probably say Purdue is close to being a bottom feeder mm -hmm. and there again nebraska because you know um i just can't believe their facilities with the uh you know with the success that they've had with their program i mean you know um it's not it, a thing of beauty no it's not it's, it's it's very odd it's big it's big it's big but it is you and know, you better not have to go to the bathroom because, uh, you know, they don't have those there either. And, and you can go all the way down to field level and you can walk on the outside. It's just, it doesn't feel like a Big Ten stadium. It no. doesn't. No. It, it has a different kind of feel. Yeah. And the facilities, you know, need to be upgraded mm -hmm. somehow. But I know. mentioned Illinois. They've gone through renovations. The Bears played there in the mid-aughts uh, and they have had some renovations. I haven't been back there. They're in a wind tunnel. It was 2004 is the last time I was at Illinois. It's probably about the Not same. Not a great experience. No, and, you know, if I remember correctly, the it's the south end zone that uh, had the, the, the track actually ran under part of the bleachers. Yeah. And I think they've renovated uh, that uh, south end zone, but I have yet to be back to, again, That that's called Memorial Stadium. One I, nice I, thing about that uh, stadium is uh, – you know, you've got the seating outside, but when you go to the concession stands, it's all enclosed and it's all heated in there. So if it's cold out, you just you can go Huddle under in. you can go underneath and and warm up. You know, it kind of reminds me of Kinnick, so to speak. But 
uh, Memorial Stadium is all enclosed underneath there, and they have the heaters going full blast. So it, it's it's a nice experience, and I think uh, if I remember right, we go there this year, and yeah. I might be uh, hitting Illinois and Indiana this year. Champagne can be uh, pretty fun. Had a good time tailgating there, uh, though. After the game, we were told back to go to the, back to our farms in Iowa by by some frat guys, and I said, "Hey, buddy, turn around." There is a silo in a barn literally on your campus. Shut your mouth and we kept moving on. Well, yeah, that's basically what, uh, you know, they called us a bunch of farmers. And I said, but we don't have corn on our campus. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> same same story along that line. So, you know. The other one, Northwestern on the bottom tier. It's a glorified high school stadium. It is. Uh, there again, you know, uh, they've made many upgrades yes. uh, from uh, when I first started going there uh, many, many years ago. I mean, uh, you weren't sure if uh, going into the bathrooms, if uh, the stadium was going to collapse on your head. Uh, but, uh, you know, there again, it's a it's a private university mm-hmm. and, you know, they were a bottom feeder uh at the, you know, on the field until uh, their new coach uh, came on, and and uh, they've made some nice improvements to uh, the, the I believe it's the north end zone where they brought out from uh, what is their field house, um, and uh, they've upgraded that area, and it's it's a nice cozy yes. experience, and and my suggestion is if. Uh, you go to the ticket office and walk up, uh, throw away your Hawkeye stuff, and you'll get a better ticket. Uh, if you uh, go in there with a Hawkeye jersey or something on, they'll uh, sell you the worst seat, even though uh, they, there's many more uh, bet- you know, good seats before that. So that's my advice for Northwestern. And the, the best part about it is if you're going to make a weekend of it, it's a weekend in Chicago. So. It's a weekend in Chicago. So that that's kind of maybe that would raise it up compared to West Lafayette or Champagne and places like that because it is Chicago. Yeah, you, you've got some other activities you can go to uh, before and after the game. All right, so let's go to the middle tier. The, the next tier, those are our bottom feeders. Let, let's go to the middle. TCF Bank up in Minnesota. It's a new stadium. You can buy Green Belt in there, which I love, so I can have a cold one while I'm watching the game. But, uh, I mean, it's okay. It, it's, it was just so much more fun when you'd go to the Dome and there'd be 25,000 Hawkeye fans there. Well, you know, and, and um, they did a study <laughs> prior to raising $55-plus million dollars to uh, build that stadium that uh, they had more upsets uh, outside than uh, when they moved to the Dome. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, whoever decided to pay for that study, you know, you got to <laughs> be scratching your head because it's like um, all the schools within the Big Ten play in cold climate. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to get a... Uh, you're going to get an upset inside or outside because that's the way it is. It's one of the few stadiums I've ever been in that is not situated east, uh, north to south. It's actually situated east to uh, east to west, mm-hmm. and it threw me off for quite a while because I'm trying to figure out, you know, the directions within the stadium. And you know, you're thinking, <laughs> okay, the north end zone, south end zone, and and uh, but and. I'm not a real tall person, mm-hmm. but it the seats, the bleachers are just about an inch too low. So my knees are actually sitting higher than my hips. So by the end of the game, 
my hips are so sore from sitting there. So, uh, you know, I don't know if they got their $55 million worth. <laughs> well, I know I can cure that real quick. Another grain belt. Yeah. <laughs> or <That's>, some cushions. <laughs> oh, that too. That, that, that too. All right, also in the middle tier for me, Michigan State, it's fine. It's it's, it's milk toast. It's it's a decent, it's good size stadium, 75,000. Fans are pretty good. Students can be a little rollicking, but but overall, it's just it's fine. It's something as a big a Hawkeye fan, you should hit at one point, but that's not one that you have to have on your bucket list. You want to go to seven, eight, ten times. Well, it's a it's a really nice stadium. I mean, you know, you can park right outside and fairly close. And uh, um, even when uh, we had that uh, last second, well, eight second catch uh, uh, to win the game. Um, uh, it, it was so loud in there, you know, and those fans, you know, the student section can just get so loud and how we drove the ball down and got that uh, game winning touchdown. I'll never know. But uh, it, you talk about when that ball was caught and the uh, referee put his arms up for a touchdown. It went from major decibel level to silence and so it isn't it's a nice stadium it really is and uh you know it, it you know if you can road trip up there and spend some time mm-hmm. you know it's uh it's a nice it, east lansing's nice i mean you know it's and they're friendly yeah they're yeah they're all right they're all right you know, I've, 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 maybe had an experience you had a bad experience up there well, well you know yeah. and and the game that i went to it was uh one they lost 16 13, I want to say maybe 06, 07, right in that range. And uh, I had an opportunity to kick a field goal that would have tied it. Instead, they went fourth and one, Sean Green. Fullback went the wrong way. Play got blown up. They lost. But yeah, we ran into a couple of mouthy students. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, students. Regardless are, of uh, students you are, are, you know. They, you got they, anything they, else, Doc, in the, in the middle tier before we get to the upper crust? Well, that, that you don't want to put up there in the upper tier? Um, uh, no, not really. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we're we're hitting it here. Because for me, still in that middle tier, and this might surprise some people, is the big house. The big house is a huge bowl. There aren't dimensions to it. It is one big bowl. It's not overly loud, even when they get loud. It was a great experience. I was there in 02 when Iowa throttled them, 34 to 9, one of my favorite. In fact, when we do that show of our favorite uh, road games we've ever been to, that will be at the top of my list. But it wasn't a wow factor. Growing up, hearing about the big house and the 110,000 and all these things, and it's just, it's fine, but it's not great. No, it kind of reminds me of the Rose Bowl, so to speak. I mean, uh, and, you know, as a fan, you wish, you, you hope there's never a fire there because nobody's going to get out of that place right. because uh, uh, how they ever passed the fire code with the <laughs> aisles uh, with 110,000 in there, you cannot literally walk two people up in the aisles to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, when they made that expansion, it wasn't an expansion. They just dug the bowl deeper, yep. you know. So uh, it, it, it's nice. It has the aura, so to speak. And uh, but. You know, it, it's a classic old stadium, and mm-hmm. and you know, you you gotta probably put it in there. You know, upper middle. You know, but it's 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 you know it it's it's a classic. Yeah, you know, and you gotta go to the classics. So uh, we got, I believe, three remaining: Beaver Stadium, Penn State, 
Camp Randall, Michigan, and uh, Ohio State at the Horseshoe. Of, of those three, how would you rank the final three that we have remaining? Well, you know, uh, that there again, uh, you Boy, you better bring your bodyguards when you go to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your black and gold. You're going to hear it. Yeah, you're going to hear it, and you may get accosted. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, they, you know, Barry Alvarez has done a great job up there and raising the money and things like that. And I can remember uh, going up there and sitting in that upper deck uh, uh, Camp Randall up there, and uh, they used to play uh, the song uh, when you say Budweiser, but it's when you say Wisconsin, you said it all, and uh, then they would get to swaying, mm-hmm. and uh, that whole upper tier would literally sway. Well, the administration, uh, the the easy fix was to not allow the band to play the song during the games because they were afraid the upper deck would come crashing down on the lower deck. So that was their fix, structural engineering fix. We just don't do that anymore. <laughs> so, but uh, it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you better beware and uh, you don't keep have your, too many Budweisers up there because uh, you don't know what will happen. Yeah. Keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. Uh, I personally, and I, I've been to Madison more than any other place. I have family that lives in Madison, so that that's a part of it. But I've never had, you know, negative comments really outside of good natured ribbing. But I've heard a lot of people that have had the other side of it. So I understand that. But it's not just, I mean, the stadium, it's big. Jump around's cool going into the fourth quarter, seeing that. But, uh, I mean, you got bars close by. Oh, yeah. Tailgate scene's fun. Madison's just a fun town. I, I've always enjoyed it there. And I'm sure at some point I'll probably have a negative experience. But but it's certainly up there. Still, it is third to me. The The, the two at the top are Penn State and Beaver Stadium and the Horseshoe. Uh, I'm going to start first. I've been to both of them multiple times. I'm going to go with Penn State first. And it is a different kind of environment. Uh, was there for the Adrian Claiborne block punt game in 2009 in the driving rain all game long. Came back a couple of years later. Lost a, a ho-hum 13-3 to game to uh, the Nittany Lions in that one. A couple weeks later, we hear about the Joe Pa and uh, what happened there a couple weeks later, which was just incredibly surreal to to be in there. But you come in, first of all, State College is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. you don't, No easy way to get there. It takes a little. We took an RV both time. Uh, one of the times drove an RV in and uh, did the tailgate in the RV lot both times. Tailgating scene is incredible. A lot of fun. Very nice fan base overall. You get a very accommodating uh, group. Hey, Glad to have you here. They'll hand you a beer, hand you a brat. It's it's very cool that way. The stadium itself, though, it is weird. I mean, it, it it's like an erector set. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of added here, added there, yeah. and and when we were there, the funny thing was, uh, the wrestling program set up a card table, uh, trying to raise money to raise their uh, their program uh, up. And uh, they were raising money, and, and at that time, Dan Gable was uh, the wrestling uh, coach at the University of Iowa. And uh, you know, it was uh, the big discussion was break up Iowa, you know, because they were such a powerhouse yeah. and everything like that. And and we got to talking to the, the those guys, and they said, "Oh, we don't want to." Uh, uh, 
you know, we don't want to do anything negative to Iowa. We want to be like Iowa. We want to emulate Iowa. And so we reached in our pockets and we gave them money. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do that anymore. No, don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> no, don't Sorry. Don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> really enjoy Penn but, State. One of my certainly favorites. And it's it's difficult to get to, but... If you can, one year flew into Pittsburgh, rented a car, drove that way, went to a Pirates game. Uh, that was 09, went to the Pirates game on Friday night and drove in on Saturday. Uh, but definitely have to have it up there. And, and I finish up Ohio State, it's at the top. Now, it's at the top for stadium experience. And most importantly to me, the crowd noise. It's loud. It is incredibly loud. I've been to Tuscaloosa for an Alabama-Tennessee game back in 2009 when they were playing for their first championship. You know, that's a big rivalry game, and and big uh, Cody blocked a couple of kicks in that game. That was loud. Ohio State, I've never heard anything louder. It it can get loud. It can get deafening in in uh, the horseshoe, and, and and it's surprising, you know, with the open end. I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't think they have any plans in in enclosing that. And it's one of the unique uh, stadiums because they actually have uh, dormitories underneath the stadium, and uh, so it, it, what an experience. And then uh, uh, the one time that uh, we were there. Um, we had upset Ohio State and walking back to the car, and uh, here's this little old lady that uh, uh, had her uh, fur coat on and dry, you know riding in the Cadillac, and she uh, rolls down her window and and uh, fingers us as we were just trying to walk across the street, and we couldn't help but laugh at her. The Buckeye salute! You got the Buckeye salute as you were leaving. Uh, yeah, Welcome the, to Ohio State. Yes, the, the fan base far and away is the worst in the Big Ten. I don't think it is close. It is the worst group of fans that I've ever come across in any sporting event. They're awful. But the stadium experience is very cool. Bar's very close. Tailgating's difficult there. In fact, the three times that I've been there, I've never actually tailgated. We just went to the bars that were close because you have to be a big donor to be close by. close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you and get us visitors, in. we're not those guys. No, no. They aren't going to give you any uh, nope. perks. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> They're going to give you the worst seats low down in the horseshoe. <laughs> so uh, that is uh, our look at the Big Ten stadiums. People may be making some plans for this summer, looking into the future schedules. You can hit up Doc Fuller at, where can you find him on Twitter now? At Hawkeye Swarm is where you can find. Yep, Hawkeye Do- Swarm. Find Dr. Fuller there. If you got any questions, you can find me at Trent Condon. And uh, we've been to all of them except for the new ones. We will obviously pass that along when we make it out to Maryland and out to uh, Rutgers. Yeah, it, it, you know, like I said, I can't wait to get to Maryland and, and go see uh, Rutgers because it, what I think they have the oldest – what's their claim, Trent? Uh, uh, Rutgers is, is the, the oldest, oldest college football, football program in the country. Yeah. yeah. It, Played the first ever game. Yeah, and that's hard to believe. Yeah. It, it's out there. I mean, you know, because you, you think of – Michigan and yeah. Ohio State and Oklahoma and Texas, you'd think their programs were much older. But uh, I guess uh, when you're a bottom feeder, sometimes like <laughs> Rutgers, you, you kind of forget that stat. <laughs> stake, stake your claim anywhere <laughs> yeah. that you can. Well, this was the Hawkeye Swarm. You can catch it, catch it each and every week here on 1700. Tuesdays during the Ken Miller Show and Fridays during Jimmy B and TC. That's Dr. Stephen Fuller with Fuller Family Dentistry and the Fuller Family Dentistry Hotline. Two locations on East 29th Street in Des Moines and on 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Doc, we'll do it next week. All right. Thanks, Trent. Have a good week. 
Welcome back, everybody. We go all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Mitch Sherman is our guest, ESPN, covers the Big 12. He covers the Big 10 and college football. The man is everywhere, and we always appreciate it when he comes on the show. Mitch, how are you, and how busy have you been, or are you finally getting a couple of days uh, of quiet time? I am uh, doing well, Jim. I hope the same for you. Uh, May is uh, definitely a different speed month, a speed of month when it comes to uh, college football and college sports. But uh, it'll get busy again. You guys are uh, you guys are going to get over here for the College World Series this year in June, right? You, you told me that for like five years in a row. So, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, spring football is, is uh, wrapped up around the country. So on to some some summer projects in August. will be here before we know it. You know, it's interesting from the standpoint of the NFL draft, and you cover a lot of these players, and you focused in always on mm-hmm. the Big 12. So let's start then with what Cleveland did, and it leaks out during the day, during draft day, that they're going to take Baker Mayfield. Uh, your rundown on Mayfield, and was that the correct selection in your eyes by Cleveland? Well, Cleveland knows a lot more about his professional uh, uh, potential than I do from watching him play in college. Uh, you know, in my opinion, he was a great college guy. Um, I, I don't see anything about his his game as a quarterback that will will have a problem translating to the NFL level. But so many times it's a mystery, uh, especially at the quarterback spot. It's just hard to know who's going to emerge. Um, NFL teams have struggled with that I think as much as as uh, people who watch the college game and, and and fans in general but if there was anybody in this draft who had a chance to energize uh, the the Cleveland Browns you know Baker Mayfield is 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 probably as good as you're gonna get first of all because it's got to be at that quarterback spot I mean you could say that Saquon Barkley was the best player in this draft and he, he very well may have been but when you're trying to do what the Browns are trying to do and, and completely rebuild something that's won one game the last two years and had struggles for so many years prior to that, I think you need to start at the quarterback spot. And, you know, Baker just brings an energy. He brings uh, a swagger. He plays the game with a lot of passion. He's going to wear it on his sleeve. I think he's going um, to – I think they're going to love him in, in Ohio. Uh, despite what happened last September in that state, and you know, if he can win game, if anybody can win games uh, coming out of college this year, you know, I, I think that uh, he's he's as good of a of a pick as you're you're going to have. So, long answer to a short question. I think it was a good pick for uh, for the Hugh Jackson and the Brant and the Browns. Hey, Mitch, uh, good to have you on again. And uh, the Big 12, you mentioned Baker Mayfield going number one. A great coup for the conference overall. There has been a lot of talk about you know numbers down in terms of draftees for the conference as a whole, but numbers dipped back up, uh, came back up a little bit this year. Do you think that's uh, more a case of the NFL, the continued revolution of offenses? We obviously saw you know what's happened with the Patriots and them going to a lot of principles in the passing game that we see, the RP. PO that we saw out of the Eagles is is the NFL and their evolution maybe helping out in terms of Big Twelve guys making that step to the league. I think it's uh, it's it's uh, it shows that what happened a year ago was kind of an anomaly in that 
yeah, the Big 12 hasn't had the same kind of numbers and hasn't had probably the same kind of talent or definitely the same kind of talent across the board as the SEC and other leagues. But you're also dealing with 10 teams in, 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 compared, to, compared to 14 and many of the other power conferences, 12 in the Pac-12. And, you know, so the numbers are going to be re- reflected a little bit with that. Yeah, I think the style of offense in the NFL – trending more toward the way things work in college is a factor in getting more Big 12 players in the league because, as we know, the Big 12 leads college football in, in a lot of ways in, in the way, uh, you know, as far as trends in, off- in the offensive game, just because of the coaches that are in the league with Cliff Kingsbury, with Dana Holgerson, with Lincoln Riley, um, and, 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 you know, there, there's, there's still always going to be surprises. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm on in Des Moines, but it's, it was, if you'd have told me a month before the draft that Alan Lazard wasn't going to get picked, um, you know, I, I just, I would have wondered if you saw him at all in college. I think there are some guys, whether they're in the Big 12 or elsewhere, that are going to make an impact at the next level, uh, despite, what was said over those three days during the draft. And, you know, he, to me, is one of those guys, and there are players not just in the Big 12 but everywhere in, in college football that fall into that category, which is, is, is a reason, you know, that you can't just take the results of the NFL draft and use that player for player to base your, uh, your, your decisions and you know your thoughts about the strengths of college football. There's a lot more that goes into it, and there are a lot of great players in the college game uh, than get picked on those three days in the draft. Um, let me follow up then with what you just stated, and you talked about great players that don't get picked. Well, one of those was Alan Lazard out of Iowa State. Were you? Most people thought he would be like four, five, six, someplace in there. Did not get his name called. Signs as a free agent in Jacksonville. That seems to be, at least on paper, a good fit because they need a top-flight receiver and a guy that offers what he offers, which is go up and get the ball in traffic. Were you a little surprised, A, he didn't hear his name called, and B, do you also believe that Jacksonville will give him a chance to try to make the team? Yeah, I was I was very surprised by it. Uh, he's as good of a receiver as as there's been over the last three four years in the Big Twelve. I mean, guys have come and and shined brightly on that stage for one year, like you had with Dee Westbrook. Um, you know, you had you had David Sills last year at West Virginia who put up bigger numbers than what Lazard did. But I think the consistency that he showed over his career at Iowa State and doing it for multiple coaches and multiple systems with, with a lot of different quarterbacks and always being the go-to guy, um, surrounded by talent that wasn't on the same level as what you have at Oklahoma or West Virginia or Oklahoma State. And I was surprised to see James Washington uh, n- n- not go higher. Um, you talk about a guy who was, just in- was incredibly productive. I think he's going to be a steal for the – uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and, uh, you know, with, with, um, was it the Steelers? But I know he ended up with Mason Rudolph in the same spot, I believe it was in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, to, to keep those guys together is, uh, is a pretty cool thing for Oklahoma State and, f- and for both of those players who enjoyed such a great career together in college. But, 
Um, as far as Jacksonville being a food for Lazard, you know, I, I think that that's one benefit that you have as a free agent, um, especially a guy like Lazard who's surprisingly a free agent who's not going to be picking between two teams when the draft's over. I would imagine that he had a number of places uh, where he could have landed, so he's able to you know, kind of turn the tables in this situation and pick for himself what he thinks is going to be the best spot and where he feels there is the most need for him. In some cases, uh, and I've heard this a lot mentioned over the years, you know, if you have the option of being a sixth or seventh round pick or of picking between a few places yourself after the draft as a free agent, there are situations uh, where, it's, where it's better to go as that, that, as that undrafted free agent. So, as you know, Mitch, a lot of people's post-spring top 25s are starting to come out. USA Today had Iowa State checking in at number 22. You see a lot of Oklahoma, obviously, at the top, as you'd anticipate, even with Baker Mayfield and a good group of moving on in this class. Who's the team that you like in that next tier after Oklahoma? Who's the team you think is going to push the Sooners this season? That's some pretty good respect for the Cyclones, um, yeah. you know, and I, and I hope for the, for Matt Campbell and, and for that program that they continue to have that kind of momentum as the off season goes along. I mean, it's 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 what you want. It'll help in recruiting. It'll just it'll it'll help give them energy going into the season. Um, not what I expected necessarily to be sitting here at the fir- the first week of May and be talking about the Cyclones as a top twenty five team, but you know, it's kind of the next step for for Iowa State. Um, I, I think uh, that, that West Virginia is is a great candidate to be in the next level behind Oklahoma. The Sooners are, are always going to be not, maybe not always, but you know in this era they're going to be the the, the trendy pick, regardless of what happens with the personnel. Um, you, you're going to look at results in recruiting. You're going to look at the guys who were coming up on the depth chart. I mean, Kyler Murray uh, for for his lack of experience at the quarterback spot is an incredible talent that, that steps in behind uh, or after Baker Mayfield. So you don't have any of that experience. I mean, replacing the Heisman Trophy winner is, is, is uh, ridiculously difficult to do. But from a, from a pedigree standpoint, you know, like I talked about with the Browns not being able to do much better filling that spot than with a guy like Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma can't do a lot better than to fill that spot with a guy like Kyler Murray. And if people aren't familiar with him, uh, I think they're going to be fairly fairly soon in his debut season as the as the Sooners QB. Uh, I, I, but I like West Virginia um, because of the experience with Will Greer uh, and Sills and other other offensive skill spots. I think they're just loaded at receiver, and they've got Jake Spavadol now as their offensive coordinator for his second year. Tony Gibson as the D coordinator is entrenched there. And I think as as does as good of a job with what he's got as any coordinator in in the Big Twelve and and is up there in all of college football. So I think West Virginia could have a breakthrough season and uh, and challenge Oklahoma for the the top spot. Uh, I'm real curious. I know that you're based out of Omaha, and we saw the spring game for Nebraska sold out, eighty six thousand people. They are on the Scott Frost bandwagon like it's going out of style. You've covered that program. You know that program. He just can't walk in and flip the switch in one year, can he? No, I mean, Nebraska's not going to go from 4-8 and eight to 10-2. and two. Um, that, that would be I, – I, I would be shocked when you look at the Nebraska schedule if they win 
if they win, you know, let's say eight and four would be remarkable for Nebraska in year one under Scott Frost. I think it'll be six or seven wins. And, you know, my opinion on that, I reserve the right to change that up or down between now and, and September 1st uh, when you kind of have to lock those things in. But, uh, you know, right, the, the biggest area where Scott Frost has succeeded and I think hit a home run in his first five months on the job is, is building uh, that connection with the players on campus and getting an immediate buy-in. Um, that's something that's really hard to do for coaches in a transition and he's done it for a couple of reasons and i think it's allowed nebraska to be ahead of schedule in making that and getting that roadmap out on the table for a return to being uh just a successful program you know you're not even going to use the word like championship or dominant i mean that's that's years down the road um in in the scott frost progression with nebraska as a head coach but just getting back to being a good football program they're ahead of schedule in that because of the buy-in that he's got over the first five months and you know the players have fed off of the energy within the state uh where everybody loves what scott frost is doing and then there wasn't a a a a tendency where there is in in a lot of a lot of transitions to cling to the old staff and the old coaches there wasn't that because of the gracefulness gracefulness with which Mike Riley and his staff left Lincoln. You know, no, there there weren't necessarily hard feelings, and if there were, they if there were hard feelings, they weren't laid out in public. There weren't players who were who, who felt um, you, you know loyalty necessarily to the old guys. And Scott Frost brought everybody with him, so it was wholesale change, and it was a coaching staff, and not just a coaching staff, but a but a but a whole program that knew what it wanted to do as soon as they set that foot on the ground in Lincoln. So they're five months in, they've been through one spring, but there's a feel around the program that's more similar to what I've witnessed with schools that have already been through a season with a head coach and are into that second spring. I think that's when you get the, the, the total buy-in. I know it was with Matt Campbell at Iowa State a year ago this time, and you know that's kind of the feeling that you have with Scott Frost. Not to say, again, that they're going to go get double-digit wins, but I think that the... Uh, um, the path to getting back on on a good track it has been accelerated because of the way that he's been accepted by everybody inside the program. Year number one could be a bear. That schedule incredibly difficult. Crossovers with Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, including two of those games on the road. And in the division, they go to Wisconsin, to Northwestern, and to Iowa. Going to be a tough one, at least schedule-wise, in year number one. We'll see uh, a 5-7 and seven season. I don't know if they're going to be selling any more of those comic books for Scott Frost. <laughs> probably, probably not. They'll take a break from that for the, for the time being and then gear up for year two. 5-7 and seven would, would be disappointing no matter the schedule. You know, Nebraska's going to have to be successful in September um, to be looking at a bowl game at the mm-hmm. end of the year. And, and, uh, and they have a... They have a uh, fairly difficult home game in week two with with uh, with Colorado so you know that's kind of a litmus litmus test right there off off the bat uh, you know how, how how close Nebraska can come to um, being respectable in year one under Scott Frost if you see them go out and lay an egg against Colorado in in, uh, in week two then I think the uh, the safe bet is that it's going to be a very very long season in the Big Ten no doubt hey as always Mitch great catching up with you thank you so much for your time and yeah, well, maybe the Hawkeyes will be over in Omaha, for not just for the Big Ten tournament, 
they'll be there in Omaha for the College World Series. That happens. I guarantee I'll make a trip over there. We'd love to see some black and gold in the stands at TD Ameritrade <laughs> Park. So, um, and you guys, you guys uh, find a way to to, uh, to make the short drive, even if uh, if Iowa, Iowa is not there. Need to go back. There is no doubt. Looking forward to it. Thanks as always for your time, Mitch. All right. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Jim. Mitch Sherman joining us. ESPN.com covering the Big 12, Big 10, Nebraska. A little bit of everything for Mitch. Mm -hmm. Always good uh, talking football. And, Jim, I saw today our friends at ESPN, they released their full rundown with start times of all the bowl games coming up this season. So a complete rundown. And this year, going to be a little bit different. College football playoff semifinals will be played on Saturday, December 29th. Not New Year's Eve. They're not going to try to fly it on there like they have a couple of times before. It'll actually be on a Saturday, and it'll actually be college football. The 29th with the semifinal, the championship will then be on Monday, January 7th. Hey, look, it's about time they got their head out of their backside and, and tried not to battle with that holiday like that. Look, that's... Uh, that that's just tough. It really is. And now, I, I can't wait because it, it's it's right in in what you and I love to do. Look, you and I are in a business where we're paid to watch those games and then discuss them. And we're lucky to do what we have done for so long. Me, probably a two or three years a little longer than you. Something, like but that. something like that. But from from that standpoint, Trent. I am certainly glad that that will roll and and get it away from where everybody is so obliterated they have no idea what they're watching. Think of what we get here at the end of the uh, the college football season and the NFL season as well. So we have on Saturday the 29th, you'll get the two college football playoff semifinal games. You'll get either the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. That's the two locations this year. So it'll uh-huh. be set up like that. Then on December 30th, we'll get the regular season finale, week 17, for all the NFL games. Then on Monday, New Year's Eve, we still will get three bowl games. We'll get the Military Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, and the Gator Bowl. Look, not great bowl games, but still, it's football on New Year's Eve. Hey, that's yeah. pretty good. And the last one will start at 6.30, so it's not like it's going to be a late night. Then on January 1st, you'll still get the Outback Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. And that'll be followed up with the NFL playoffs and the championship then on Monday, January 7th. Football Nirvana. The schedule is perfect this year. It is. About time. I mean, really. We've been begging for that. It's Jimmy B and TC. All right, just a couple minutes to go here in hour number one, and uh, we'll put a cap on things. Really enjoy the conversation there with Dr. Fuller as uh, we're talking about the Big Ten stadiums that we have been to, Rutgers and Maryland, the two not on our list yet. We will get to those, and of course, a lot of football talk there with Mitch Sherman. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to kick things off. we got Wolfgang coming in, and then Ken Miller will be making his derby picks. Longtime race caller, Prairie Meadows, and Denver, Winnipeg. He's been all over the place. He knows the track well. He's going to give us his Kentucky Derby picks. It's all coming in the 5 o'clock hour as we take you up until 6 o'clock here on Jimmy B and TC.